If you have a, a Bible with you, turn to Luke uh, 17, and we're going to read a few uh, verses together. So Jesus said to his disciples, 17, Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are, um, are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It'd be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive me. Sorry, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. This was tough stuff that Jesus was sharing, obviously. So they said, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. So this morning I'm going to take a theme, and uh, I'm going to take a particular word, and um, in the original text that this would have been written in, um, it's the word, as you can see it on the screen, and you think, what on earth is that? Scandalon. And I'll explain that in a moment or two. So we're going to do a bit of a word study, really. Uh, and I'll, um, I'll explain and unpack that in a moment or two. Um, there's a story, and it goes that this, um, this chap's driving along, and he comes to uh, a set of lights. He's in a queue, and he's in a set of lights, at a set of lights. And there's a lady in front of him, and uh, they stop at the, the, the... It's a red light, so they stop at the lights. And there's a number of cars, and the first one in front of this man as he's in his car is a lady in front. They stop at the red lights. And um, he notices that the, the lady is looking at, at some papers on the seat beside her. And she's shuffling through them and looking at them, and he's thinking, you know, she's going to have to go in a minute. She shouldn't be doing that. And the, the light goes green, and the green light goes, but she doesn't move. She, she's... She's lost, she's looking, I don't know whether there's some files or something like that beside her, but uh, he, he's fuming. He gets angry, he's shouting in his car, uh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall. Well, you wouldn't like to be a fly on the wall, probably. And he's shouting in his car, and he's banging the, the steering wheel, and he's thinking to himself, it's green, come on! Green means go! And eventually, um, the light goes red again so he gets a bit more angry and uh, green and then she goes and he goes and as he's going along he's pulled over by a police officer and uh, pulled over in the car it's just a story Richard it's just a story I know Richard's a, a, a police officer and uh, the policeman pulls him over and says would you like to uh, come with me sir he puts his hat on as they do and come and sit in the back of our car oh no you know what? And uh, speaks to him, and, 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 then, and then they take him and, and for, for a while, and then they take him to a, a, a holding cell. I mean, this is incredible. Takes him to a holding cell, and after, and he thinks, well, what, what, what have I done? They can't, I've not done anything traffic wrong. I've, I was just shouting in my car. And, um, so they take him to a holding cell, and eventually, after a couple of hours, the, uh, um, the, the officer 
you know, has, has to let him go. He, he, he lets him go. And the man says, I knew you couldn't arrest me for what I was doing. I was just yelling. I was just yelling in my car. You haven't heard the last of this. So the officer replied to him and said, I didn't arrest you for shouting in your car. I was directly behind you at, at the light. So the policeman was behind this man. And I saw you screaming and beating your steering wheel. It's probably better to beat the steering wheel than anything else, probably. But beating the steering wheel. And I said to myself, what, what an idiot. What a fool. But there's nothing I could do um, for you just shouting and throwing a fit in your car. Then I noticed the cross hanging from your rear view mirror. And a bright yellow choose life tag in the back and then a bumper sticker that says Jesus is coming soon and I thought to myself this must have been a stolen car (laughs) what do you do when you get upset and offended what do you do when you're offended and this is a story that Jesus shares um, um, about such just as that Um, in this story in verse 1 Jesus said to his disciples Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to the person through whom they come. In the, King, in the New King James version of that translation, that was, I just read that in the NIV. In the New King James, it says this. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offences should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. Translates things that cause to the word offence when you get offended. A writer called William Barclay translates that same verse like this. Verse 1. It is impossible that snares to sin should not arise. But woe to him through whom they do arise. It is impossible that snares to sin should not arise, but woe through to him through whom they do arise. So it says there in the NIV, things that cause people to sin. It says in the New King James, um, offences. It uses the word offences rather than things that cause people to sin. And a man called Barclay interprets that, translates that as snares to sin. So things that cause you to sin, offences that cause you to sin, or snares that can cause you to sin. Now, really interesting. But um, the translation of the word, where the NIV... So just stay with me for a second or two, because we'll look at this together for a moment. But where the NIV, the New International Version, says there, things that cause people to sin, that's the way the translators have written this, they take a word, and it's the word that's up on the screen, they they translate things that cause you to sin from one word. It's this word up on the screen, scandalon. Uh, In the original text, the, the New Testament's written in the Greek language. And that one word, and that one word, scandalon, is where the writers for the New International Version say things that cause people to sin. But scandalon, that word, literally means to trip, fall into, be trapped, snared. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? And so different translators take it in different ways. But it literally means, so when Jesus says, Jesus said to his disciples, um, Scandalon, 
can cause you to sin. He uses one word, this one word that's up on the screen. Now, you say to yourself, what on earth? What are you on about, Adrian? What's that got to do with it? But um, there's an understanding there. Um, I'll show you. The scandalon is the name of the bait stick. Um, That's an old sort of old-fashioned trap. And the idea there is that the noose is connected to a twig that's connected to the bait stick. And you can see there a little bit of bait, and the little animal would come and take the bait off the bait stick, move the stick, which would pull the noose, snared, trapped. And the bait stick is called the scandalon. Or the scandaler. Here, it's to, to a snare. It's a snare stick. You take the bait, you're caught in the trap. And so Jesus was saying, be aware of the bait stick, and don't you be the bait stick that causes a snare or a trap, because you can be entrapped and you can cause a trap to others. Now, the King James Version, the New King James, it translates that bait stick. or that, the, And so this, it, it later became known as the stumbling stone. So there's this understanding of being trapped, snared, tripped up. If you look at the picture now, don't look at that anymore now. We'll, we'll, we'll come away. But that's, that's the background to the word. So it literally means there. So Jesus was saying, be careful how you can be snared, trapped, stumble. And don't you be a snare and a trap and a stumbling stone for others. And so he says there, literally there, he's basically saying, um, things that cause people to be bound, uh, people, things that cause people to, be, to sin are bound to come. And woe to you through whom if they come through you. And so basically he's talking about this idea of being a stumbling block. Now, the New King James Version translates that stumbling block or that snare to being snared with this word offence, to be offended, which is an accurate translation. And it, so it says there, then he said to his disciples, it's impossible that, it, it, that no offences should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. And the idea there is, is, is this idea of being offended, to stumble, to be trapped, to be snared, to fall into. And so the picture is of a bird that's trapped in a cage and caught in the snare. And that's the picture of scandal. It's not the trap. It, so we're looking at the trap at the moment. But it's the fact of being caught ensnared. And so the bird would come, or whatever the animal is, take the bait and then get, be caught in the snare. And to be scandalized or to be, is to be caught in the trap, to be ensnared. To be caught. And so the idea there is like this idea of a bird being caught in a cage or a snare. This is why habits can trap us and be addictive. Uh, Certain things can look good, but we can get caught and then caught in something. This is why when we get offended, we can get angry. We say, that's an offense to me, an offense. And so it's translated offense, because when we get angry about something, there can be moments when we become uh, mortified by something. Um, We can take umbrage to something, and a moment anger can arise, or unforgiveness. And before we know it, we're gripped. We become scandalon or scandalized. And so the translation of being offense there is, is accurate, is very accurate. And so Jesus went on to say, make sure that, you know, you, he says, but woe to that person through whom they come. So he's talking about people and relationships. 
um, and how we can be offensive to others, not just by being rude, but we can become offended by others. And this is the sort of picture that he's talking about in the text there. He's really speaking at the time on the back of the, um, the, the, the sort of the teaching and the lifestyle of the religious of the day and how they became offended with the disciples. So he turns to his disciples and says, look, the rabbis, the Pharisees, they will become very offended, scandalized by you, caught in a trap. And beware that you do not become caught in the same trap as them. And that's basically what he was saying and talking to them at the time. And so he says, so he says, beware that you do not. Woe to you if you are involved in this. Not just woe because you get caught in a habit, perhaps. And this could be scandal on. You could get caught in a habit. You could get caught by the bait stick. You could fall for something and begin to do something and become ensnared with a certain thought or a certain addiction. But also, you could cause uh, someone to be offended by you. You might say something or do something. And so he says there's lots of opportunity. He goes on to say that this is bound to happen. In life, as Jordan led us this morning, the worship team led us, Jordan was, said, you know, bad things can happen in life. You know, because that's life. And so Jesus was saying that, you know, you can get upset in life. You can get trapped and ensnared. And you can become a trap and a snare to others by the way you live your life. And this is what Jesus was saying to them. Beware that you don't become a trap and a snare to other people. And we do that by upsetting others, by, by, by disagreeing with others, and people saying, I find that offensive, and, I'm, and we get upset with others. And if we don't watch it too long, we can take the bait, as it were. And um, anger, unforgiveness can ensnare us. We can fall. Resentment, it can hold us. And so this is what Jesus was talking about. So the symptoms of ensnarement then, the symptoms of scandal are, there are some symptoms that you can, you can observe uh, and you can find out, have I fallen into this? Have I become offended? Am I an offender? Have I become entrapped? And it's, it, this is endemic. And so Jesus was sharing this with those around him. A couple of things that we can, I, I would say, are some observations from um, life. You can tell if you've fallen into something, uh, whether it be uh, the process is you can get angry with someone or, um, you know, and, and mortified by them and I'm fuming and, and be, before you know it, it, it can grip you and, it, and there's a sense of unforgiveness and resentment and all sorts of things can come. That can come and it can go and it can come and it can go. And we all get offended at times, but it's when it grips us that we become scandalized. To be scandalized isn't just, ooh, look at this in the dirty thing that they've done or the outrageous thing. This can be just through the power of offense. And you can tell when the film keeps running. So um, it's a bit like video playback. In your mind or your heart, you keep going over what someone has said or done to you. They've done this, they've said that. If you find yourself, this could be, this could be a, a symptom of falling into offence or becoming an offender, as it were. If you find yourself always going over something, um, a man called Larry Lee used to talk about nursing and rehearsing events. 
it's, uh, video playback is a bit old hat now because you know video players it's all DVD and it's gone on from that now it's all online it's streamed everything's streaming you can pause it and play back and go back but you pause you go back you play it all over again you go through the scenario the situation it just can't get out of your mind or out of your heart you go over what you'd say how you'd react to them what you'd do to them how you would even give them a piece of your mind or whatever you would do it's a bit like and it's so and so the film keeps running you could say it's the processes of unforgiveness and so that's true but the film keeps running and going on another thing of a symptom is um, you keep talking about the offence to others so we find ourselves talking about such and such and this or that person or that circumstance or that thing or the thing they did Uh, We don't go on about it every day, but we find ourselves returning and speaking about this and doing that and speaking to that person about it and doing that and speaking about this. The Bible says what's in the heart, the mouth utters, the mouth speaks. And so we find ourselves uh, never being able to fully just get away. It's a bit like a piece of elastic. You get so far, you know, when you do those bungee runs, those, uh, we've, I think we've hired them. Andrew has hired them for youth. We've had these bungee run things, and you put on these big suits, and you run as far as you can, and then you get so far, doing, you go all the way back again. And it's a bit like that. You find yourself talking and talking and talking. About it. And it's a symptom. It's a possible symptom of being scandalized, offended, becoming an offender, of becoming snared, ensnared to anger, ensnared to bitterness, ensnared to unforgiveness, ensnared to resentment, perhaps. Uh, Another thing that can happen is that criticism takes over. Hey, it's not wrong to criticize. You know, we can have what we call constructive criticism. Criticism isn't wrong. It's not wrong to say, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if that's right. I'm not sure how I'd do it that way. Do you think you could be done better? That's not wrong. In actual fact, we have constructive criticism where people sit down and say, could we do this better? I'm sure we could. And you talk, and you can talk things through. But um, we move from criticism to becoming critical. And so you find yourself in a new default position. It's never right. They're never right. No matter what someone does. When they're gone, you think... It's a bit like Muttley, the dog from the Wacky Races. I used to watch the Wacky Races years ago. Some of you won't have a clue what he's on about. Some of you laughed. You're showing your age because you do know what I'm on about. But the Wacky Races and Muttley would go... And he would go on and... and, It's called murmuring. The Bible calls it murmur to murmur. The gnashing of teeth. And there's nothing wrong to say, hey, can we sit... This is... But you find yourself gripped. You're snared. That's why Jesus said it's a very dangerous thing. Very dangerous thing. A couple of other things are symptoms. Fight or flight syndrome kicks in. Fight. We we get angry. There's nothing wrong with being angry. The Bible says just don't let the sun go down on it. You know, don't lose the plot. And don't sin in our anger. So anger is, is, is a normal, is a quite normal emotion, actual fact. It's a defense mechanism. Human beings have that to say, keep away from me. I, you know, I need some space. <laughs> and that's what anger is, 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 is there to show. And, oh, I need to protect myself. I need to... And so, but um, you find yourself being triggered. You know in the office when you've got a problem with the manager... When they're gone, and somebody says such a, 
gallery and you go on, you're on, you're going on a trip. You, the video kicks in, the criticism kicks in, and the anger. And, it, and you could go a few months down the line and someone says, and so, and you know, because the name, that circumstance, that person, the thing they've said or done, it grips because it's become a snare. And anger, uh, so fight. Uh, or, or on the opposite side, the flip side of the coin, flight kicks in. You avoid, you get away, you keep away. So at the office, you sort of dance around the office. In, 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 it's like a dance as, as people keep uh, out of eye contact and, and don't want to bump into that person o- over the, the coffee or the, the drinks machine or whatever it is. And, and we avoid. We, we, some people just stay away from work altogether. They just don't want to face that anymore. And uh, it's a defense mechanism. In church life, we, one will go down that side and another will go down that side and, and, and never the twain meet as they go out the door. We, the flight kicks in and it's a symptom. It's a possible symptom. Uh, this isn't a definitive list. We're coming to the end of it, don't worry. Um, but they're just a few observations. And then we find ourselves with some of these things all swirling around that we find a strange thing happens. We're strangely drawn to other people that feel the same way as me. You'd think that would be a rather weird thing, but it's like kindred wounded spirits are drawn together. It says, there's an old saying, birds of a feather flock together. That's an interesting old saying, but it's got a little bit of truth in it because it's as if you find that people congregate and other wounded spirits and you find, you find yourself um, taking strength and sustenance from the critical and, the, and the, the upset and the anger and the unforgiveness and whatever it might be. And in some, I say it's strange because you think to yourself, that can't, you know, that shouldn't be. But we're drawn because we're ensnared. Okay, so Jesus said, but whoa. You know, it, it's a dangerous thing. Uh, you think a bit of offence. So you, we can all become offended, but we've become scandalised when we're gripped. And so all of us can become a, a, a offended and, and then we can just get over it. But you know when you are caught in scandal on, when you're gripped by some of those things. And so finally, so, so we looked at what is uh, the offence and what is scandal on. We've looked at the symptoms. Third and final thing. Uh, which we'll look to close with in a moment. How to find freedom then? How do we find freedom? And Jesus shares a bit more in this story. He goes on to say, he says, it'd be better for you that you've been thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around your neck or for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. The little ones there aren't just children. People think that that interpretation is just the little children. That's partly true. It was for little children. But he's also talking to new believers and, and young Christians and people that, that were yet to come into the faith. New roots. Okay? Lots of Bible commentators say that. So, in other words, if you cause others to stumble, if you cause others, if you become an offense, if you cause others, it affects others. It washes onto their lives. It's dangerous. Jesus said this is a dangerous thing for you to be not only snared for yourself, but it seems to snare others. You seem to have a washing effect over other people. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And, uh, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times, go back and, and forgive. If he repents again, forgive, forgive. So a couple of things. Freedom from this um, 
ensnarement. There are three things, really, uh, is to repent, first of all. The power of repentance. In this story, Jesus speaks about someone coming to you if, you, if, if they've upset you and, or you've upset them. And the, it says, you know, if they come to you and then they repent, then forgive them. What does it mean to re- Repentance is a powerful thing. To repent in your heart to say, I'm going to repent. The word repent literally means to change your mind. It's to do a U-turn in your whole life. Not just, oh, well, I won't do that today. It's a complete change of life. To repent would be you're driving along in your car going this way down the road and you do a complete U-turn and go back the other way, back. And so to repent is to, if in my life, I'm going along in my life one certain direction and way which is going to take me away from God, to repent is to change my heart, my mind, my will, my desire to not go my way and go this way away from God, but to do a complete U-turn and start to head my life towards God. And so to repent is to head your life towards whatever God wants for your life. To repent. Really powerful thing. So if you find yourself angry, bitter, unforgiving, which is going to take you well away. It's going to take you away from God. God is here. It's to say, Lord God, forgive me. I, I repent. I, I, my desire is to turn. Uh, it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to turn and do a complete turn to face you. I want to follow your way. I want to leave unforgiveness, resentment, anger, ensnarement behind me. And I want to face you. That's what it means to repent. And in your heart, if you can begin to desire to do that, then you're the first step towards the right direction, to repent. No one can become a Christian. You can't become a Christian unless you repent. We're going along in our lives one way, away from God, living for me. Then to repent means I'm going to stop living for myself, but I want to live my life. I do a U-turn. I want to live for God. That's what it literally means to repent. Repentance with, then forgiveness. So repentance is the U-turn. Forgiveness, what is this idea of asking forgiveness and giving forgiveness? So we need to ask forgiveness, and God gives us great forgiveness, immeasurable, overflowing forgiveness. We are forgiven in Jesus Christ and through Christ. And we're to give forgiveness away. And um, in, in the account of the story there, Jesus speaks about this idea of forgiveness and we're to ask forgiveness from God and to give forgiveness away and receive the forgiveness. To forgive literally means this. It means to let go and let God. And I know that's a bit of a buzzword, but to let go and let God. When we find it hard, when circumstance isn't going the way we hope in life, and someone has said something and doing something that we don't like and is going away, uh, to forgive them is to say, I'm going to let go of that person. I'm going to let go of my anger towards them. I'm going to let go of my feelings, my resentment, and I'm going to let them go into the hands of God. Let God deal with that. That's a powerful thing. That's a challenging thing. How can you do that, said the disciples. So the disciples said, help us with faith. Because Jesus was saying, you turn in your life, go towards God, complete and utter, let go and let God. And the disciples said, how can we do that? So Jesus said, they said, how can we do that with faith? Help us with our faith. And then Jesus spoke to them about faith in a moment. And so to forgive is an incredible, powerful, amazing act that takes off the noose from our lives, the ensnarement, the entrapment. 
and sets us free and sets the person free and takes off the noose. And so it's to let go and let God put the person, the circumstance, the thing they've done, what's been said, the way you feel, the way in which you'd like. Because with unforgiveness, we say, I want to sort it out like this. They've said that. They've done this. I think we should do this. We should do that. But forgiveness says, I'll let that go and say, God, will you have your way? In Gethsemane, see, Jesus obeyed the will of God and said, not my will, but your will. And so forgiveness has this heart that says, I'm going to give my life into the hands and will of God. So to repent, to forgive, and finally, these all happen together and at the same time. The disciples said, how can we do this? The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. You'll notice in your NIV, it has an exclamation mark. Because they're going, what? Oh, wow! Notice the exclamation mark there. Because this is like monumental. This is massive. How are we going to do it? I can't let go and let God. I can't do a U-turn like that. It's just too much. I haven't got the faith, they thought. They felt so small, so useless. Very often we feel that we're insignificant, unable. I can't do this. We beat ourselves up. And they said this to Jesus. And then Jesus said this to them. They said, increase it, make us bigger, stronger, bolder, better, more powerful, super duper duper. And then he said this to them. He said, faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. In the East, they used very extravagant pictorial language to portray uh, a spiritual truth. Uh, It would seem impossible. This is an impossibility. Uproot tree, thrown into the sea. it's, 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 It's that impossible, but it's that powerful. Jesus is showing with a little speck of faith, miracles, monumental, amazing, powerful things can happen. Even little old you can be changed in a moment. Your addiction can be broken. The unforgiveness can be released. The snare that you have, the pain, the memory, can be released off your life just in a moment through the power of Almighty God. Faith. What is faith? Well, faith is trust in God's love and power. Faith is trust, literally trust. And you're exercising faith right now as you sit on the seat that you're on. You're trusting that that seat will sustain you throughout the rest of your time here this morning. It will not collapse under you. You've trusted your whole life at this moment in time to that little old seat that you're on right now. That's called trust. And to have faith in God is to just trust my whole life. Is to trust my whole life into the hands and arms of God. That's what faith is. You don't have to be better than, more than, and anyone else behind you or beside you. And this is why Jesus said, if just trust, even that speck, a mustard seed is a tiny bit of dust, small as dust. And Jesus said, if you can just trust God, he's using a picture there. Say, even if you feel that you're useless and you can't do it, say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. Then he says, amazing miracles 
will happen and you'll be set free and people around you will be free marriages will be healed and relationships will be restored and your body will be healed and your addiction can be, come off you and, and your memory renewed and the hurt and pain that you have and that unforgiveness and that person that you've never spoken to for years something can be freed the offence, the trap, the snare can be taken away and so too with you and I this morning As we close right now, let's pray. Jesus calls us to repent, to forgive, and to exercise faith in him this morning. I don't know where you stand. I don't know in your life. But let's be careful that, one, we don't give offense by what we do, the way we live towards those around us. And two, we don't become offended, as it were, scandalized, Entrapped, snared. It causes us to sin. It causes us to be angry. It causes us to unforgiveness. It causes us to do all sorts of things, to get involved in all sorts of temptation and addiction. And if this morning we come, we can come before Him. Father God, this morning we come before you, the living God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful, kind, and true. That there is in you a, an incredible gentleness that is an amazing strength. It's almost as if they don't add up. But with you, there's an incredible sense of love, grace, and gentleness that brings about an amazing freedom, strength, liberty, a loosing off our lives. It's as if the weight of the world can come off in a moment. All comes because of your love. And so this morning, we come before you And we open up our hearts and lives and we say, Father God, will you search us this morning? If we find ourselves with any of those symptoms, if we find ourselves being scandalized, as it were, ensnared, trapped, offended, becoming an offender, we come before you and ask your forgiveness. We let go and let you if there's anyone or anything right now that's upsetting us, circumstance not going the way we hoped, we forgive, we let go and let you. I repent right now, Father, if in my heart and life I'm on a course and direction that's taking me further away from you, Holy Spirit, further away from you, Jesus, further away from you, Father God, and I don't even feel it right now, perhaps, then I want to do a U-turn in my life and come back to you. I come back to you, Jesus. I come back to you, Holy Spirit. I come back to you, Father, where your arms are outstretched for me right now. I repent. And I choose to trust you, Lord. Even if there's not much left in me, I'm concerned, I'm worried, I'm upset, I'm not sure. I don't know if I can. Just as the disciples called out, increase our faith. Even if there's a small mustard seed, a small seed of faith, trust right now, I let go and let God. I trust you right now in my marriage relationship, in church life, in my department as a church or the area of my church, in my body with the sickness, finances, a relationship with a friend or someone that's become estranged right now. 
whatever concerns me, I trust you. I let go, Lord, and I let you lay hold of my life right now in Jesus' name. Now, Lord Jesus, would you come and set people free all around this place? Let there be an atmosphere of freedom over this church, our church, over Oasis. A freedom come. A freedom over the spiritual atmosphere of this auditorium right now, Father. A freedom over marriages. A freedom over hearts and lives. A freedom over our children. A freedom over finance. A freedom over people's bodies and over sickness. A freedom over people's thoughts and minds. A freedom over people's hearts. A freedom over habits right now. If there's any addictions, I pray, Lord, for a freedom to come. A freedom over relationships right now. If there's anything of avoidance and upset and pain, let a freedom come right now, Father God, we pray. All around this place and in our lives, for people that are not here right now, for memories that are a long and distant past, for memories that are very fresh and recent, we pray let freedom come. Let lots of miracles be released through this place right now, Father, all around us, towards each other. We want to be people that release one another, that bring freedom and hope in our lives, through our lives, and to others' lives, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. And for even those that are not here right now, we pray that they might experience freedom. The snare would come off of their lives. In Jesus' amazing, wonderful name, we pray. Amen.